Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, my friends. Simon Miller here as we continue the Simon is very ill run of ups and downs. But it also means we get to play a fun game. If I collapse at any time, you know something has gone seriously wrong. But 2023 has kicked off and it was time to check out the first AEW Dynamite of the year. And this was super duper exciting because of course at the end of 2022, everyone had gone, oh, we've got a brand new presentation for you. And I like new presentation. It's fun for my seeing device. Either way though, it is time to take the finger of power and give the good bits enough and the bad bits down and decide, did All Elite Wrestling kick this year off with a bang or did they drop the ball? Let's up those downs. So yeah, as we just talked about, AEW does have this new presentation. And flub me sideways, I will hold both my hands up and tell you straight, I thought it looked totally amazing. The set especially is badass, and don't forget you want to make a spectacle of it, because if you do get casual fans tuning in, they'll be like, well, I definitely want to check this out. So I'm absolutely giving it an up. Everybody should do this when the time calls for it. Sadly though, it does mean that we have done away with the good guy, bad guy tunnels. Don't worry, they're still separate entrances. But I thought, given how long they had been around, we should like do something with our arms that looks respectful and bow our heads and just take a second to remember the tunnels. Now, of course, if you went to join in with me, you're absolutely crazy, but I appreciate you. And you are still awesome because during the opening of Dynamite, I honestly actually did fall into the ground in shock because there was not just one Simon sign, there was flipping two. What is going on? And I didn't know what to do, so I sat down, had some tea and a crumpet, and this made me feel like some old war hero coming home for Christmas. And I have no idea what that means. But seriously, thank you so much. It just reminds me that we have built a pretty damn cool community here, and I'm very happy to be a part of it. So both of them did indeed ask for up, so we're gonna put our hands together and kapow, there you go, a one goes on the counter. But of course, don't forget, we introduced the Simon Sign counter, or the Ups and Dine Sound counter, whatever you wanna say. It makes me sound like an arrogant Alan, but it goes up to three. We've only been doing this for two episodes of Ups and Downs. You have totally outdone yourselves. The fantasticness then continued because our first match was Ricky Starks versus Chris Jericho. Ooh, all I saw all week was people going, well, Chris Jericho isn't going to lose again because he's already lost so much or he wouldn't do it again because that's not what Chris Jericho does. And just to give you a bit of a spoiler, which you should expect when you watch Ups and Downs, Chris Jericho didn't win. Ricky Starks got a massive victory. 
And I thought all of this was put together wonderfully. It didn't even matter the fact that Jericho is on a downswing because he still presents himself as such a big star. And again, when I sit down to watch this, I was like, what is Rick really going to win? So when he got the one, two, three, I just did a dance. About that slow as well, I'm really sick. After supposing a basic wrestling, Chris decided to go up to Ricky and just slapped him right round the face. And it was at this juncture I was like, holy crap, this crowd is going absolutely crazy. And they kept this noise up from start to finish. So I just want to give a salute to them because I tell you, when you do have this kind of noise, it just makes everything so much better. Dark then threw Jericho into Simba the Steel Steps because why the hell not? Although when they got back in the ring, Jericho was back in control. But he was so mad here. He had such a temper on him, he even pushed referee Aubrey Edwards. What an ass. Anytime Ricky would find his feet too, Matt Menard and Angelo Parker, who were at ringside, would do some interfering, like grabbing his foot. But at one point, Jericho went for his big kick off the top. Ricky stopped that when Jericho just grabbed him and gave him a suplex to the floor. <laughs> what the hell are we doing? Why does everybody in wrestling want to die? Chris kept beating down Starks and using his experience, but Ricky is so good at being the babyface fighting from underneath, when all of a sudden he busted out a Liger bomb and he got a two. This is when everything started to change because Jericho went for the lion's soul, but Ricky Starks was able to get his knees up and there was just a smidgen of hope. Don't need hope. Jericho still somehow smashed out a code breaker, which all of a sudden triggered finisher time because he went for the Judas effect, but Ricky Starks blocked that. So he went for the Rochambeau and Jericho went, nope. And all of a sudden, Ricky Starks was just in the walls of Jericho. He did indeed get to the ropes which is when JS went to full on dickhead mode because even though they did that, they just pushed him away. And when the referee went to start this, Matt Menard got Floyd the baseball bat. <laughs> he just twonked Ricky Starks right in the face. Don't know why it made me laugh, but it did. That was kind of cool, though, because it meant that Starks was still in the hold. So Aubrey was like, well, I better raise his hand once. I better rain his hand twice. And even though it did drop for the third time, all of a sudden it started wiggling and a jiggling. And Ricky Starks was like, I will not be defeated. When they got to the finish so quick after this was actually was kind of cool because he took out Matt Menard. He took out Angelo Parker. He dumped over a Chris Jericho clothesline. Dump over it. <laughs> he ducked it. Let's just move on. He hit the spear. He got the one, two, three, everybody went nuts, as did I. Of course, the Jericho Appreciation Society jumped right in there afterwards, and you knew that somebody was going to make the save, and it was, of course, da, 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 Doink the Clown. Or the Doink the Clown, if only it was Doink the Clown. But it was Action Andrete who had a steel chair, and I like this too, because we are keeping him in the mix. Sadly, though, he forgot he's going to have to take on about 82 people here, and it was Ty Mello and Anna JS who stopped him. <laughs> they just whammed him right in the balls. This is when the Jericho Appreciation Society got serious. Because they set a table up on the outside when they put Ricky Starks on the ring apron when the hat wearer, Jake Hagar, was like, I know what I'll do. I will powerbomb him through it. That looked absolutely horrible. And even though they had technically lost the match, now they walked around going, <laughs> we're bad guys. Or horrible Harrys, which is probably a better word, but this just ticked every single box that you could hope for. Ricky Starks getting the win was so good, especially because in 2023, I want the AEW originals to shine, giving it up. And then, was another sign? Genuinely couldn't believe it. I had to rewind it and watch it twice. But seriously, when Jericho did apply the walls of Jericho, some dude just jumped out of his seat with his bit of card, and it quite clearly said, Simon, give Lariat Barr an up. Now, I have no idea what that means, and I suppose you are Lariat Barr. So fair play to your parents for taking naming conventions and just chucking them out the window. As always, though, you have earned it and you do get an up. We bring this stupid counter back down, which has gone up to four. I'm genuinely slightly embarrassed, but never forget... 
that I love you. Tony Schiavone was then in the ring and he introduced Doink the Clown. <laughs> I'm not, not doing any more Doink jokes. This is what happens when I'm sick. It was Hangman Adam Page. We chat about the fact that John Moxley has challenged the cowboy for next week when Hangman was like, look, here's the deal. As of right here and right now, I'm not clear. I'm not particularly happy about it. However, he did say that the doctor had told him that he was confident if he does take it easy for seven days, they will be able to have their scrap next week. When he was saying this, he was kind of looking at the doc and that really made me laugh because it was like a child whose dad had promised him, if you're on your best behavior, I'll take you to Disneyland. And the child walks in to tell his mum, and he looks at his dad and says, you see that guy over there? He told me if I'm like a goody two shoes, we can go see the mouse. Of course, as soon as Mox heard this, he strutted to the ring and he was kind of surprised that Adam Page was even out here to begin with. But he is absolutely sick of this sympathy party. Why can't anybody understand that when they did have their last match, he just got his ass kicked. This then got quite funny because there was a tech error for the live crowd. They couldn't hear what John Moxley was saying and they chanted this at him. When he got on the mic, he just went, could somebody give me a mic that effing works? I don't know why that tickles me, but it does. Moxley then mentioned that Hangman needs to get over the fact that he did knock him out when Paige was like, nah, bruh, that's not what I'm upset about. The reason I'm pissed off is because you've been walking around for these past few weeks acting like all of this is nothing but a joke. Deep down, he knows that John is only doing this because he's scared of him, though. So he has two bullets in the chamber and come next week's dynamite, He's gonna take a shot. I was like, it's making cowboy references. I'm such an idiot. Mox then kind of laughed this off and said that Paige doesn't even deserve to be in the same ring with him. And when they do fight next week, this time he's not getting up for real. <laughs> Boy, howdy. The tension here, you couldn't do that classic cutting with a knife. I'm also totally confused as to which way this is going to go and which way I believe it should go. But it is John Moxley versus Hangman Adam Page. And in no universe do I think that is going to be bad. And in terms of setting things up, there's the word, getting it up. We then got one of these videos reminding us that the main event is going to be for the TNT title as Samoa Joe takes on Darby Allen. And I really like the fact that AEW is doing more of such things because it just reminds you, oh, maybe you want to wait around a little bit because fire is just around the corner. It also led us to Jeff Jarrett versus the Acclaim for the AEW Tag Team Titles. And just a round of applause for these guys. They put their trolls hat on and they went to work. Max Caster does not give a flub either because in his opening rap, he mentioned Karen Jarrett and how she needs to stop talking. And he also mentioned Dixie Carter and he mentioned TNA. Honestly, I just love this guy so much. He is riding the wave. And it's the same for Anthony Bowens, who is always doing a good job. But I tell you too, you've also got to hand it to Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal and their entire crew. They have just come together to be superb super assholes. I actually now don't mind them being on my TV at all. It was a usual tag team match to begin with and when Caster got in there, he pretended he was Kurt Angle. So I was chuckling away again because I can't help it. And they kept doing Scissor Me Timbers, whatever that move is called. And what I want to see now in the future is one match where it's just Scissor Me Timbers, Scissor Me Timbers, Scissor Me Timbers. I'd give it five stars. Daddy Ass sensed this too, so he jumped in the ring. We all did one big scissoring. Jay Lethal was so pissed off, he went and slapped Billy Gunn, who lost his damn mind. And as ever, he took this too far, so the referee said, sorry, Bill, you gotta go to the back. It also allowed the bad guys to beat down Bowens for a while, but Anthony understands how wrestling works. He took some moves until he thought to himself, well, I think enough time has passed. Let me bust something out of nowhere. He got the hot tag to Max Caster. This led to everybody going crazy, including Jay Lethal, who must have eaten a health bag, because all of a sudden he had someone in a figure four. When Satnam Singh decided, oh, look, 
There's Max Kastner, and he just launched him into similar still steps. He too was then ejected, and it took about 789 people because he is so big. But somewhat masterfully, this was going to tie directly into our wink, wink, nudge, nudge finish. Because Bowens was able to block the lethal injection when all of a sudden Jeff Jarrett teleported in there. He hit the stroke, Jay made the cover, and even though Bowens got his foot on the ropes, at the very last second, Sanjay Dunk went, nope. He pushed that thing off of there. The referee didn't see it. He counted three. You've got to go and listen to the reaction of this audience. They were genuinely stunned. So was I. Wrestling then went wrestling because all of a sudden this night, the referees decided, wait a minute, something smells fishy here, even though 99% of the time you would just ignore it. And because there was so many officials out there, they all got together and they were like, no, that Sanjay Dutt just did a bad thing. This match has to be restarted. So this was wonderfully ridiculous, and straight away, Jay Lethal tried to use the most devastating move in all the sports entertainment, the surprise roll up to get the one, two, three. Bowens got out of that. He hit the surprise roll up instead, and he got the three count, meaning they are still the champions. And what a delicious swerve this was. If you had put it on a plate, I would have eaten this. This did really make me laugh, though, in the best possible way. It was like, oh, phew, thank goodness we didn't do that. So I am gonna give it a couple of thumbs. What an enjoyable roller coaster. It also brings us to a very exciting comeback because not a day goes by that I don't get asked this question. So I thought about it and I thought about it and I was like, well, the other counter is very self-indulgent. So always make sure you give the people what they want. So say hello for the second, maybe third time, the surprise roll-up counter. Now we can justify this in 2023 because I don't think we've ever done it where we correlated both WWE and AEW. So at the end of the year, we can decide, is wrestling too obsessed with this finish? I can actually give you the answer to that now. Yes. So for the time being, it does clock up to one, although I very much enjoyed it here. And imagine it actually ends at one. There's no way that's going to happen. Tony Schiavone was then back interviewing Jamie Hayter and Britt Breaker because, of course, their big tag match with Soraya and a mystery partner was coming up. And that's what they focused on. They're like, look, we are a week away and Soraya can't make up her mind, even though she best friends with Sheeta and Tony Storm, who, by the way, are really good professional wrestlers. They also did double down on the fact that they are AEW originals and they had to try really hard to get to the top. And I like that for all the things we've talked about. And they are now calling themselves Hater the Pillar and Britt Baker the Killer. Or something like that. I think I may have got it confused. I mean, I do love it straight away because it's absolutely ridiculous. But the major takeaway you want to put in your brain is that at one point, Britt Baker called herself the boss. And given what's going to happen later with the good guys, if Sasha Banks or Mercedes Monet is not coming into All Elite Wrestling in seven days, then this may have been a sitting little tease. Otherwise, though, it did build up the match very well. Better than anything else we've done. Jungle Boy was then backstage and he was quite happy because given the events of 2022, he thought he'd never be able to trust someone again. But now he does have a new best friend, Hook. I mean, this was mostly done so we could set up these two taking on Big Bill and Lee Moriarty in Jack Perry's hometown. And even though this only went about eight seconds, I do like the fact that AEW is trying to squeeze these people onto the television show because out of sight and out of mind. So in any other world, it wouldn't get it up or down. But we review every segment now. I'm going to give it a If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Which brought us to Brian Danielson versus Tony Nese. My word. I mean, this was just a fine wrestling match, but what really put it over the top is that Brian was in his hometown, and as soon as he came out of the entranceway, everybody just went crazy for this dude. Like, if you were just tuned in for the first time, you'd be like, oh man, that was good timing. He must be the most important person in the world. Of course, as Nice does have a bunch of friends, Mark Sterling and Josh Woods just going distraction, interference, and trying to screw over Brian Danielson. And while this did allow Tone to run wild for a little bit, and he hit a massive knee and some other shots to get some near falls, eventually Brian just went, <laughs> this ain't happening, bro. And he killed him. I mean, he just opened up on this guy, hit the Baseco knee. They just started to stomp on him and try and break his brain open like he wanted to see what was inside. Like he never done a science class and knew, oh my gosh, it's a brain. He then applied the regal stretch and by this point, Tony Nese had already passed out because of course he had, he'd been smacked. Surely this was mostly done though so we could give Brian a match in his own zip code, which is always nice because the real crutch of this was the post-angle stuff where Brian Danielson basically got on the microphone and said, hey, MJF, I think we should have a chat. Now, Maxwell is a very obedient person, so he came out there straight away. And yeah, he said, hello, brain damaged Brian. And even though I expect this, because he's done it multiple times, it still gets me. Shouldn't be saying that. He then took shots at everybody, including Lance Storm and Dean Malenko. Like, where did that come from? Because he said, even if those two had a baby, it would still have more charisma than Brian Danielson. Now, I love Lance Storm and Dean Malenko, but it did make me laugh Mostly because it was just so bizarre. We also weren't done because Friedman started talking about who is the GOAT in professional wrestling and that Brian looks like one, maybe because when his mum gave birth to him, she, I can't even say it, she hadn't picked a human suitor and basically insinuated that she had sex with a goat. And I genuinely stood up and I went, what? we're doing goat sex now? What is going on? Danielson then went full Danielson as he retorted, oh man, you want to make some jokes, do ya? Well, we in the back all talk about the fact how many human suitors your mum has. In fact, she's banged so many people, there's probably a bunch of them in the audience right now. I just couldn't handle any of this. I was like, how did we go to animal relations to mum jokes? Maxwell then got annoyed and was like, look, you keep calling yourself the best in the world, but you ain't the champ, meaning I am the best. And I have a bunch of people that have backed me when he name-dropped Disco Inferno, Jim Cornette, and Eric Bischoff. 
And you can just imagine how the AEW audience reacted to that. I was a big fan of this segment. Brian was done by this point and was ready to fight, but Maxwell didn't want to do that because he had a better plan. He had talked to Tony Khan, and if Danielson is able to wrestle every single week up till February the 8th or something like that, and he wins all of those fights, he will officially be the number one contender. And then he can take on MGF at Revolution. I mean, that is fair, but Brian is so damn good, he was just like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm going to wrestle when I want to wrestle, and I will win because I'm brilliant, and then by proxy, I will be the number one contender, then I'll take your belt. Maxwell then just absolutely lost his mind and said, I run the company while he was eating a muffin. He didn't do that muffin bit. But given that he had so much aggression, Danielson was like, all right, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do your stupid little plan. I mean, I like doing the grappling anyway, but if I am successful and I do make my way to this position, I get to pick the stipulation somewhat stupidly, Maxwell Jacob Friedman agreed. And of course, given everything that Brian Danielson is and everything Brian Danielson thinks MGF is not, he picked a 60-minute Iron Man match. And even I was like, oh, you're going to try and do that in 2023? But let's be honest, when you break it right down, if you were going to pick one person on the planet to do it, the American Dragon. So I liked all of this, and I thought it got the challenger across, and I thought it got the champion across, and it actually made me excited to see how this roller coaster is going to go. And again, of course, the stipulation is going to divide the audience a little bit, but I think there's a plan here, and I'm damn pumped for it. Giving it all up. Then you've got to confirm that on Rampage, it is going to be an All-Atlantic Championship match between Orange Cassidy and Kip Sabian, and I have enjoyed the build to this, so I am excited. When we got Swerve Strickland versus AR Fox, Bravo team. Because Excalibur made sure to tell us about all the history they had in Lucha Underground, and I always enjoy when a wrestling promotion does that, because one, everything then feels more like a sport, but also two, you can just dive into it a bit more. Like Scrooge McDuck. They also made it feel like no time had passed. And at one point, I can't even explain this, but Swerve Strickland was going to go for a flippy dive. And at the same time, AR Fox did a flippy thing. So when they actually both landed on the floor, they were staring at each other. I was like, that's the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. AR wasn't wasting any time though, so he hit a vaulting moonsault, as well as what can only be described as like a springboard corkscrew brain buster. I was like, oh my gosh, it's the SCB. Sally only got a two, and as we know now, Strickland does have dudes on the outside of the ring. And one of them did attack, and the reason I haven't given him a name is because he hasn't got a name. <laughs> Even on commentary, Taz said something like, oh no, it's the unnamed tattooed warrior. And that way it was gone again. At the same time, though, Swerve did come off the apron with this absolutely horrible kick. Like, man, this week in wrestling, nobody is playing around. These madmen were then doing things like Swerve countering a German suplex into a flatliner. And at one point, it looked like Fox was going to be crotch, but he didn't. And instead, he triggered this, like, cutter melee. I mean, he did one down low, he did one up high. Then he hit this 450. And a small part of me thought he was going to win... But that small part of me is stupid, and he didn't. And of course, it was his goons that made sure that Swerve was going to win as they passed a weapon to him. I think it was Parker Bordeaux. And he just slammed AR Fox right in the head. <laughs> Seriously. Swerve Strickland put this DVD off the top rope into the ring apron, which, as we all know, is the hardest part of the ring. And I don't have a skit for you today because I can barely stand 
So instead, I'm going to do this. Weird, wasn't it? Strickland then finished it off with his double foot stomp and he got the one, two, three. And honestly, Swerve Strickland is so good. I did have this moment, I was like, does he even need a group? I think he could do all of this by himself. Also, let's keep putting AR Fox in matches. This was truly something else. And I'm giving it up. We were then with Rene Paquette, Soraya, Tony Storm and Sheeta because finally we were going to find out who the partner was going to be. Although once again, this was a bit wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Now Soraya did do it here after she put both Tony and Sheeta over. But when she did pick Tony Storm, honestly, she turned her back to Sheeta and basically pretended she wasn't there. And it was like, oh, Tony Storm, you're so amazing. You're so wonderful. Please be my partner. Otherwise, I'll cry. Understandably, Sheeta was super pissed off about this because both guys were acting like assholes and her face told a thousand stories. But look at the seeds we put in place here. We can turn Sheeta heel, why the hell not? We can do lots with her as a baby face, let's have some fun. And next week, she can beat up Tony Storm. We can do that feud when Soraya comes out like, well, now what am I gonna do? And all of a sudden, who walks down the ring and makes her AEW debut? The former Sasha Banks. And that's such a cool narrative if we do do it. So I'm just gonna be a positive Pete here and give it an up because that's the way you wanna get people invested think outside the box. The gun club was then here. Honestly, these guys. Because they were having a funeral for the legacy of FTR. I'm not kidding. They even had something on the big screen that said like F-T-R-I-P and it had their debut date to the date they were defeated by the guns. And they just stood in the ring and they were like, man, you tried really hard for 10 years. And then you drop the ball and now you suck. They even said something like they'd be 10 stars in all of our hearts, which did make me laugh. When all of a sudden, FTR's music started to play and I lost my mind. I was like, I'm sorry, that's not possible. You cannot do that. I know they were in Japan in the morning. You can't get to America in like 12 hours and be at a show. This is truly ridiculous. <laughs> then it turned out it was a ruse. So I just think Austin and Colton are the absolute best and they did steal FTR's catchphrase before they took their leave. So clearly we are going to do another match between these two, but it ties into everything I've been saying. They are part of the AEW original crew. They totally get it and they deserve a super duper mega push. I was glad they were featured here. Giving it up. We then got a reminder that the best of seven series is going to culminate next week, so that's exciting. When we were also told that Dustin Rhodes' mother has passed away and Justin Roberts' mum is also struggling. Also finished that off by paying tribute to the family of Don West. So this was a very sobering moment. And I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but I think it's important. Everybody here at What Culture Wrestling obviously sends all their best wishes and thoughts to everybody involved here. And let's use this to remember that wrestling at the end of the day ain't really that important. Jake Cargill and Red Velvet versus Sky Blue and Kira Hogan was after this. And what a truly bizarre build this has been. Because Red had already screwed Jade once, but Kargi had already gone, all right, we can do it again. And then surprise, surprise, shock horror towards the end of this, Red Velvet decided, actually, no, Jade, I don't want to be your friend anymore. And she bailed. So there is certainly holes in this, but what I do like is that it means we can do something big with Red Velvet. As because I've been saying for a while, she's definitely got an upside as either a baby face or a heel. So let's make sure we utilize it. Otherwise, there wasn't much to this because outside of Sky Blue, Kira Hogan and Velvet having a proper tag team match, every time Cargill tagged in, she just destroyed everyone. To the point, I actually thought it was quite funny. She was like some kind of rocket and everybody else was just in like a crappy little car. Cargill was also undermining her own partner all the time because she patted Red Velvet on the head at one point. And the ref was like, look, technically, according to the log book, that does count as a tag. And even though Velvet kind of beat Kira Hogan up for a little bit, eventually Hogan drop kicked Red into the corner and Jade was there and she was like, oh, this is ridiculous. She just tagged herself back in. She, of course, laid everybody out with thrust kicks and even choke slagged Hogan. This is when she went to tag Velvet, but she did run away. 
but it didn't lead to anything because Jay was like, well, I can do it by myself. She gave another kick right into the face of Kira. She probably ran Nicolas Cage afterwards. She got the one, two, three, and then was like, yeah. So it certainly feels to me like the plan was always that Chris Statlander was going to take the TBS title from Jay, but of course she's injured right now. And when you do put that into your head, if we have to bide some time, that's totally cool. Now clearly we are going to break the baddies up, so let's make sure we've got plans for them as well. But this is all right. This was just fine. It did what it had to do. I'm going to give it it up. Jeff Jarrett and friends were then being interviewed by Rennie Paquette. And these dudes were not happy. They were just walking around going, oh, shenanigans, shenanigans. And I think the fallout is come rampage. We're going to do Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal take on the acclaim round two. But this time, it's going to be no holds barred. And I processed it, and I processed it, and I decided I ain't got no problem with that. Which brought us right to the main event, which was TNT title, Samoa Joe versus Darby Allen. And flub me, did we do everything right? As I have mentioned a few times, and too many times now, I'm going to mention it one more. 2023 should be the year of the AEW original. When I was watching this, I was like, I would have Darby Allen win this and become the TNT champion, because then everybody's in place. I mean, you've got MGF with the world title, Hook and Jungle Boy are about to do some stuff. Obviously, the TBS title is Jay Cargill. Jamie Hayter now has gold. And it just makes it so much more interesting, because before a few years ago, we didn't really know these guys. There was also a really cool video beforehand that made Alan feel like a big deal and given that we were in Seattle he found Nick Wayne in the front row and gave him a hug and I tell you Nick Wayne did some shows over here in the UK that I was on I got to see him up close and personal give it five years and that dude is gonna be top of the tree I was having none of this though because when he came out he saw Wayne just grabbed him right round the throat like he was Darth Vader when Darby Allen died on him smacked him with the skateboard did this crazy thing with the skateboard like on the entrance way when all of a sudden he got the biggest ladder you'd ever seen. He laid Samoa Joe down and he hit this crazy swenton, swenton, whatever you would call it. Swanton, swenton, that's what I'm calling it. It was just absolutely nuts. And I was like, well, a lot has changed in 2023, but Darby Allen still doesn't care about his own life. Match then started and done this actually benefited Helen because Joe just grabbed him and did this horrendous throw into Simba the Still Steps and then somehow topped it when he did the same to Rita the Ring Post. I kind of lost my senses at this stage because it was just so disgusting. This was then a beating of all proportions before Darby realised maybe I can choke this guy out because if you can't breathe, you can't wrestle. Do you know what Samoa did? He just fell backwards and he crushed that guy. And even that looked like it broke his ribs. Joe then started to focus on Darby's legs. He had tweaked his ankle during that Swenton Swanton thing at the start of the match. But somehow when Joe went for the muscle buster, Darby Allen was able to wiggle his hips. And from nowhere, he hit the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. That just annoyed Samoa Joe, who decided, right, fine. Now I am actually going to kill you. And he put on the choke. But Darby Allen must have taken a phoenix down because all of a sudden, he was reversing that into another pin. And all that fracas too, Joe took off one of the turnbuckles as he went back to the choke. But do you know how Alan got out of this? He beat on his chest like he was Sting, decided he didn't give a crap anymore. He threw Samoa Joe right into the exposed steel, when not only did he hit this crazy code red, but he hit a load of bunch of coffin drops. And eventually on the last one, he pinned Samoa Joe, the ref counted three, and he's your brand new TNT champion. Super fragile, casualistic, expialidocious. The crowd reaction to this was absolutely amazing too, and Sting came out there to celebrate with his son, and we had all the confetti, and this felt like such a big deal. Once again, you can capitalize on it, and honestly, this was like the best main event of the year. <laughs> 
I'm going to do that joke for ages. I'm giving it an up. It also brought us to the end of Dynamite, and this is one of those where I don't even care that it's all ups and no downs. Everything from the crowd to all the little things we did made it such a good wrestling show to the point I implore you to watch it. I mean, you may find some things you don't like, but you'll also find some things you love. I feel like AEW is about to go on a bit of a tear. And I'm here for it. Now, please do leave a comment below and let me know what you thought about last night's AEW Dynamite. Like the video, share the video, and subscribe. And you know the deal. Whatculture.com. We're on social media. We have other videos. We appreciate you massively. Happy New Year. I appreciate all the support. And I will see you over the next 12 months. Feels really long. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 